Welcome to another episode of the I Thrive Podcast, and I'm your host, Trevor Woodward. Look, this podcast is all about having conversations that, well, do just as the name suggests, help you thrive. We look at building successful habits, breaking down destructive habits, accomplishing your goals, moving around obstacles, and ultimately getting out of your own way. Thanks for tuning in for another amazing episode. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of sharing a conversation that I had the other day with someone who is truly one of the best in the world at what they do. His name is Sam Burkett, or I should say, Lieutenant Colonel Sam Burkett. That's right, he's in the Army, he's a husband, he's a father, he's a medical doctor, and he also happens to be ranked sixth in the world for Ironman triathlons in his age group. That's right. This conversation covers a wide range of topics, including habits, motivation, belief, identity, overcoming adversity, and so much more. I hope you have as much fun listening to this as I did listening to him. So without further ado, let's welcome Sam to the show. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks for those nice things. Absolutely. Well, it's uh, it's interesting because I think we had our first conversation about a month ago, but uh, you were actually on my radar way before then. So, <clears throat> little backstory: it's uh, April nineteenth, but uh, last September, see, there was it September or October? September. September. Okay. Last September, my wife and I just had this crazy idea of doing uh, what we thought was an insane fitness challenge, uh, a half Ironman, and uh, came back to Augusta. Ran the race, had all these lofty goals, and definitely did not achieve them. But I think we finished in like six or seven hours or something like that. Felt pretty good about ourselves. Uh, Anyway, we got done with the race, and my parents were there. And we were like, yes, we finished. We did it. And my dad was like, yeah, my friend... uh, my friend did it earlier this morning. He he just left about two hours ago, <laughs> and uh, our jaws dropped. And uh, turns out that was you. Yes, I, I finished in about four hours and twenty one minutes. Um, but anybody that finishes Ironman is an Ironman. Yeah. So um, it's an impressive athletic feat, and I, I'm just impressed with your finish as my finish. <laughs> Well, I think that'd be a good place to start. Tell us about um, Augusta. Tell us about the half Ironmans that you do and what that race was like. Augusta was actually my first half Ironman back in 2015. <laughs> I had done some shorter triathlons and, and saw it as the same challenge that you saw it as. And so I did the same thing. I signed up online, paid the money, and immediately <laughs> the fear sat in of, oh my goodness, I have to swim 1.2 miles, bike 56 miles, then run 13.1 miles. And, and survive and finish. And so that's how you get motivated to train. <laughs> and, and I continued along my training program and I, I entered the race and I actually did a lot better than I thought I would. Yeah. I, I finished third in my age group Come and, on. and finished in about four hours and 25 minutes and felt great. Um, and after that, I was hooked. I said, this is what I like to do. I need to find more challenges like this. And so that was... 2015. 2015. And so that's why I got it started for you. Yeah, for the, the Ironman distance races. Uh, 2016, I had some injuries. And so I didn't do any Ironman or half Ironman distance races. But 2017, I entered Augusta again and and had a very similar experience. 
except for one of my friends that I train with, beat me. <laughs> and I was like, how are you beating me? And I found out he had a coach. And so that's ah. when I said, well, you've raised the bar. I'm going to find a coach as well. And then in 2018, I entered about five races. And, and, and that, that's been... Rest is history. Rest is history. Yeah. So you do this all the time. <clears throat> yes. I mean, even last weekend, I did a race in Florida, a half Ironman race. I went on vacation with my family and I said, what a better way to end a family vacation <laughs> than stop in the middle of Florida and do a half Ironman. Uh, I was kind of regretting it the night before, but come race morning, uh, it was, I got my groove on and did the race. So let's go into that a little bit. When you're not wanting to you know, put in the effort or when you're regretting, you know, you said you click the button, you sign up, you pay the money and this fear sets in, right? Uh, halfway to race day or even on race day when you're standing on the dock about to jump in the water and you're like, ah, shit, <laughs> what did I get myself into? What goes through your mind? What kind of, is there any self-talk? Is there a ritual or anything that you go through that helps you kind of get in the game? I have to think about it a little bit. I mean, I, I choose to do this. This is a yeah. choice. No one's forcing me to do this. And, and once you put that into perspective that, hey, I have the ability and I, I'm blessed with health and I can do these things, I'm choosing to do it, uh, that makes it a little bit easier to say, hey, we might as well just get started. Um, and it was a hot, humid, windy day in Florida last weekend and I pushed a little hard on the bike and my legs were tired, I was, my seat was sore. And I knew I still had 13 miles to run and, and I had to go through a lot of self-talk to try to get myself motivated to uh, finish the race. And, and so there was a lot of digging deep and saying, why do I do this? Uh, <laughs> you know, trying to reach out to all the volunteers that are cheering you on and, and feed into their, their, their encouragement and, and just sort of remember why I choose to do these things. And, and once you figure out the why of doing Ironman races, it, it's easy to dig from that and find the motivation to finish. So why, why is it that you do it? That's a, that's a tough question. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, gosh, hard, right hard to death. know now. <laughs> uh, it, it goes back to my childhood. I grew up swimming and grew up running. I ran competitive track and swimming in high school. I ran competitive track in college. It's a division one athlete. Didn't necessarily have the career I wanted in college, but I studied hard and got into medical school and, and, and athletics from that point on sort of fell in the back burner. I had to study, become a doctor, learn my craft, uh, start a family, and I just never got the opportunity to compete and, and, and do the sports that I grew up loving. About five years ago, I, I saw I was driving to work and there was an advertisement on the side of the military base where I work that said, hey, there's a sprint triathlon. And I drove by it several days in a row, and I said, you know, I used to do these. Hmm. I'm going to enter that. And it was a sprint triathlon. It's maybe a 300-meter swim, a 12-mile bike, and a three-mile run. And I, at the time, I was mostly into CrossFit and lifting weights and sort of high-intensity training. Yeah. And, and so I went back in the pool for the first time in 20 years and swam, and I swam probably maybe 800 yards, and it was exhausting. <laughs> And the next time it got a little bit easier and it got a little bit easier. I actually had to go out and buy a bicycle. I hadn't ridden a bike in years. And, and, and I trained. I trained a little bit. Nothing compared to what I do now. But, mm -hmm. And I entered the race and it was an amazing feeling. I, I was scared before the race. And, 
and just joyful during the race and felt exhilarated after the race. I, I remembered why I enjoyed doing yeah. endurance sports and having that sense of accomplishment. I placed pretty well in my age group and, and the rest is history. I signed up for another race and another race and another race. Um, and, and so why, uh, maybe it goes back to competing is in my blood. I, I, it's part of who I identify as. I yeah. identify as a runner and a swimmer. I, I enjoy the competition. I enjoy putting it all out there and seeing what I'm made of. Um, I enjoy the challenge. Uh, uh maybe I didn't have a, a good as career as I wanted as a uh, college athlete, and, and maybe I'm not done yet. I want to <laughs> try to accomplish some goals that I, I never achieved when I was younger. I actually did a triathlon in my younger years. When I was 12 years old, I entered an Iron Kids triathlon. It had come to Des Moines. I knew nothing about triathlon, and I won my age group, and I went on to compete in the national competition. Um, I was way outside of my league. These kids had been doing this for years. In fact, the guy that won it went on to compete in the Olympics three three times for Dang. the triathlon. But I, I that was my first experience with triathlon, and it was a successful tri- experience. And that's when I first heard about the Iron Man. And back then, there were a couple athletes, Mark Allen and Dave Scott. They had this iconic race uh, where both of them were neck and neck for the entire marathon. And they weren't saying a word to each other, just running next to each other. And finally, um, going up the last hill into back into Kona, uh, Mark Allen pulled away and, and won and had set the you know, record time by hmm. 20-some minutes. And I read that story, and I was like, you know, someday I'm going to go there and do that. And I was 12 years old at the time. And, you know, now, shoot, 30 years later, I finally get the opportunity to do that again, My what I wanted to do as a kid. So... If you think back to 2015, entering your first half Ironman, uh, and now, what is it, October? Yes. October, you're heading to Kona. Yeah, I would have never thought back in, when I did that first half Ironman that this was in the, in the cards. I, I thought about it, but I didn't think I had the time or the support or the resources or the ability or any of those things to... Mm-hmm to go on and qualify for Kona and, and get a chance to compete there. It was in the back of my head of maybe someday, but <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be yeah. as soon as it is now. So is there anything, I don't, I would imagine that there might be, but is there anything that you're doing differently to prepare for Kona than uh, you were doing before? Yes. Uh, I have a coach, and my coach uh, is out of Australia, of all places. I, we do a lot of virtual online coaching and, okay. and speak through email. His wife is a professional triathlete and has won m- multiple Ironman events. And so he has a lot of experience with more elite type uh, athletes. So he is pretty much laying out a plan for me to follow and, and taking into account you know, how I feel during workouts and making some small adjustments. But the difference between training for triathlons and then Ironman events is just simply the volume. Mm. Uh, it, I mean, it requires, you know, as you build towards the race, uh, upwards, I'll be doing upwards of 24 to 30 hours in a week of training. Mm. And so in order to fit that into a regular person's schedule, you have to <laughs> get buy-in from a lot of other people. It might be an individual event, but uh, you have a lot of people who are supporting you to accomplish that type of training. And so you have to get buy-in from work and your, your family, and then you have to be motivated to actually complete it. And that's, that couldn't be the hard part, <laughs> is 
3 a.m., 4 a.m. comes very early sometimes. Uh, and yeah, to get out of bed it comes early. <laughs> to get out of bed and want to do a two- or three-hour bike workout before you go to work in the morning, that, that takes a whole different level of uh, commitment. But you can find the motivation of why you want to do such a thing. Um, usually it makes it getting out of bed a little yeah. bit easier. So that handles that piece, the coming back to your why. And, uh, yeah, that... I think my why is my childhood goal of competing at Kona. It's, you know, I didn't accomplish what I thought I would accomplish in college, and I, I want another opportunity to compete and prove I can, you know, perform at an elite level. Yeah. And, and I want to be a good example for my kids mm-hmm. and show them, hey, look, you can, whatever you put your mind to, you can do. And that's a pretty powerful message. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting because that's, that's kind of where I start with uh, my health coaching clients is mm-hmm. in our first session, we, we don't, I mean, we do talk about goals, but really what we talk about is why and mm-hmm. kind of nailing down something that's powerful enough. And so it seems like for you, the image as a child that you had of competing mm-hmm. in, at, at Kona is powerful enough to drive you to get out of bed at 3am. Um, but a, as you touched on, you're, you're not just an athlete, you're a dad, you're a husband you have coworkers. Uh, go into a little bit of, of that, and how do you actually get buy-in from all of those people, all those parties, to um, kind of dream with you for this? Well, fortunately, working uh, in the army, uh, physical fitness is respected and and uh, <laughs> required, maybe and required <laughs> to some degree. Uh, but you know, as a civilian physician. You know, the bottom line is you're seeing patients making money and, and your time is money. In the military, uh, they look at my competing in triathlons as I'm representing the Army and being a good role model for other soldiers. And so my boss and his boss and their boss's boss all look at me and say, <laughs> hey, he's, he's, he's a prime example of what being a soldier is with you know, mental toughness and you know, physical fitness and resiliency. Uh, in fact, I'm... I applied to be on the Army triathlon team. I'll find out later this month if okay, I get accepted. On. As a 42-year-old, uh, you know, <laughs> competing with 24-year-olds on a triathlon team is uh, maybe a, a pipe dream, but I think uh, I have the times to qualify, so it'll be fun. If I make That's that. awesome. Uh, so getting buy-in from family, um, my wife, I've been married for 17 years, and she was with me in college when I competed in track and cross-country. And so our relationship began with her understanding how important that was for me. Um, and now she gets to see it again. Uh, I can imagine she gets frustrated when I <laughs> say, well, I need a new set of wheels. It's $2,400. Um, or, or, yeah, my, this race I entered is a $300. But, uh, you know, they're very supportive. Um, you know, they, they come and make their signs and cheer for me and take pictures and, and they get to enjoy my victories when I win, you know, my age group. Or as last weekend, I finished sixth in my age group. I didn't have a great race. And they said, hey, you know what? You still did all right. You finished. And so that, it's helpful when they support you like that. Um, and, and But there are sacrifices. Uh, I, I, when I'm training constantly in the morning and, and then you know, having to go bed early at night. Uh, there are sacrifices I make with some of my friends and then I tell them, look, <laughs> this is what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I'll be happy to, we'll, we'll go grab a beer after Kona. How does that sound? <laughs> uh, 
it also seems like this is something that you're able to share. I mean, we were just downstairs talking and, and you mentioned that your youngest daughter's actually thinking about getting into triathlons. She's competing in one. Is, is that right? Oh yeah. She, it's funny. We were back visiting family in Iowa and there was an Iron Kids event, the same one that I first did. Oh, no way. And, I, and we happened to be there when there was one there and I, and I asked her if she wanted to enter and she did. And so she had been swimming and you know, anybody can run. She borrowed a, a bike from a neighbor kid because you know, we were visiting, we didn't have any bikes and she entered and, and she finished and she had a great time. The next day we opened up the, the newspaper and there she is, her picture's on the front page of the newspaper <laughs> just as some random picture oh, you know, running amazing. down the finish line. And so we got that print and framed it and, and I think when she saw that she, she was hooked. <laughs> so uh, we've gone to several races and, and she enjoys it. Uh, I ask her, hey, there's a race coming up. Do you want to do it or not? And she'll say yes or she'll say no. Um, but uh, she, it's pretty cool watching her want to compete. Um, and and she's a, she doesn't talk about it much, but when she's out there, you can tell that she, she wants to win. It's yeah. sort of fun to watch that thrive. Kind of that inner competitor and in her comes out. My uh, coach, his wife, uh, the professional triathlete, has mailed her some gear that, that her his wife wears, and so she has like a Ironman champion jacket and some you know official sponsorship hats, <laughs> and she wears them to school like every day. Everybody thinks, "Are you a professional athlete?" <laughs> At no, eleven she, years old, how did you do this? <laughs> she so she looks the part at least. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, go into that a little bit. I think um, coach means a lot of different things to a lot of people. Um, and there might even be some kind of mysticism around, uh, coaching, uh, go into that. What is, what is your relationship with your coach look like? How's it improved your game? Um, even mentally, like how has, how has that helped if at all? Well, you know, coach means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I have enough inner drive that I don't need a cheerleader as a coach. Um, some people need a coach as a good motivator to get them out to, to at least get the process started mm-hmm. and motivate them to continue, you know, actively participating in the process. Uh, I've felt pretty confident I didn't need that. I just need someone with expertise of how to best manage my time. As a doctor and as a father, I have a limited number of hours in a week and to participate in training. And so I wanted to make the most of that time. And so that's where my coach came in. I had spoken with several coaches and one coach that I was planning on working with in particular, he said, I would love to coach you, but I have this guy that I know that I think would be better for you mm. based on what you're looking for and what your needs are. And so he got me in touch with uh, Jared, who is my coach in Australia, and and we spoke online. And I said, this are my goals are. This is how much time I can do. Are, are you interested? And he's like, absolutely. And and so now it's, we've had a relationship now for about a year and a half. And there's been some learning scars where, again, he's used to working with very elite athletes. I'm a 42-year-old, uh, has-been uh, college athlete, and so he, he has pushed me pretty hard, and I've had a couple injuries, but we've learned from it, and, and this year we've come back pretty strong. So um, I, our relationship is he tells me what to do, and, I'm, and I do it, and I tell him how it felt. <laughs> and, and and he lets me make some on-the-spot decisions if I'm not feeling good one day or I'm, I'm feeling a little injured or, or something, I can make a change and just let him know. But he's mostly my guide. Hmm. Um, instead of, and, he'll, and, and 
he does at the last minute before a race, I'll get an email and he'll have some words of uh, wisdom or some type of here's what you need to think about or you're going to do great. Um, so at the last second, he'll pull through with yeah. some, some inspiring messages, but that's he's mostly my guide. And, and you, you said a big thing that he does is time management. Yes. So what does that look like? Is it... Uh, is he trying to maximize efficiency or effectiveness? And, and it, it kind of comes back a little bit to what you're saying about sacrifice. Is he lessening the burden of the sacrifice that it could potentially be? I mean, what, what, what is he doing to help maximize the time that you're, you're training? He said, give me a, an example of a typical week. What time can you get up? What time do you have to be at work? What time can you leave work? What can you do during work? Tell me what you do on the weekend. And I said, I think during the work week, I can give you this number of many hours in the morning or this number of many hours in the evening. These days work better than those days. And then the weekend, uh, I can, you know, you can give me what I need to do to be successful at my goals. Those will be open. And he laid out a plan and, and we've made some little adjustments, but Again, on a Thursday, I had to get up at 4.30 to make sure I got my workout done before I had to wake my daughter up to get ready for school so I can get to work. And so the alarm goes off at about 4, 4.15 and lay there and go, oh, it's so early. <laughs> but I got out of bed and I did it. Um, last night, uh, my wife and I, we celebrated the victory of getting our children to bed a little early. And so we had a couple glasses of wine. There you go. Went to bed, woke up to go swimming this morning. Oh, my head hurts. <laughs> I drank that wine last night. So I hit the snooze button once, but then the second time I got up and went swimming and, and got the work done. So uh, if you do that enough times in a row, it just becomes what you do. Uh, and so anytime you form a new habit, that's yeah, initially tough. But once you do it day after day after day after day, it's just what you do. Um, and, and it's amazing what you can get used to doing on a daily basis yeah. once you've done it a while. Uh, you, know, you talk to anybody say, yeah, I work out two hours a day during the week and on the weekend sometimes upwards of six hours. Like, How do you do that? I, like, well, I can't imagine not doing it's it. It's just what I do. Yeah. yeah it's just, I, and I have to go out and work in the yard afterwards and that's just what I do. <laughs> so I, th- it's really an interesting thing that you bring up because um, I that, that resonates a lot with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I talk about my clients a lot is that any time any time you want to accomplish a goal, it's less about actually accomplishing the goal. It's more about who you're becoming while you're trying to accomplish the goal, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when we talk about health or weight loss or really anything like that, there's a lot of times this this nagging mentality or this nagging thought that pops up that says, you know, oh, I I, I can't do that, or they don't actually believe that they're the type of person that is capable of doing that. But what you're saying is that if you do it enough, it just becomes part of your identity, part of what you do, part of your belief system. Yeah. And it draws back to your why question. It's easy to say, hey, I want to lose weight. Yeah, I want to start exercising. And maybe it's because I want to be healthier, but that doesn't stick very long. Yeah. Um, If you do it because, hey, I want to exercise in order to play with my kids, or I want to exercise in order to, you know, get healthier um, or be able to do more things with my grandkids or 
uh, I want to eat better in order to lose weight so I can do these other activities, that, that tends to stick a lot more and, and people tend to stick with those goals. It's a little bit more meaningful of a why. Yes. Uh, and in one moment, I do just want to touch on your time management piece because I think that's something that can kind of, it has a potential to carry over into a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Like whether you have 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, or three hours in the morning in your case, uh, it's scalable to the size of your goal. But I mean, anytime really anyone has a goal or something that they're trying to accomplish, um, I think sometimes we can get bogged down and and thinking about everything that we're going to have to do to accomplish that goal. But really what you're saying is your coach has come in and said, no, just tell me what you can give me and we'll work with that. We'll figure out a way to, to make that work. Is that the, that's kind of what you're describing the relationship to be? Yes. And I have coworkers who find time during the day, during the work day, they say, Hey, it's one o'clock. I'm not going to take lunch today. I'm going to go out for a 30 minute jog or a 20 minute jog. Or I have another coworker who who's, says, I have 10 minutes right now. I'm going to see how many push-ups and, and pull-ups I can do in 10 <laughs> minutes as my exercise today. And I, that's a 10-minute workout. And he looks exhausted and he's in great shape. And so it, it is just finding whatever time you have available to, but not being overwhelmed with, oh, I have this to think about, I have that to think about. It's an amazing sort of break from any job or any task to, to exercise to sort of clear your mind for a minute and then, you know, then re-engage with your day. Yeah. I know you mentioned uh, starting off when you were talking about kind of some hiccups with your coach that you had battled some injuries. Um, and, uh, but you've also, are exp- you know, bound to experience some other adversity as well. And I know you've got a, a big trip, if you want to call it that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> lined yeah. up soon. So yeah, with Kona coming up in October, uh, the full Ironman in Kona, I found out that in end of August, I'll be moving to Korea for a year to be a doctor there for the Army. And so that puts a big hiccup on the routine of training to, to kind of pick up, move, reestablish, all while trying to maintain the volume of training that's required. And that's a high peak time for training. Uh, about two months out is mm. the peak time to be getting all the volume of training in for an Ironman event. And so it's going to take some very creative uh, times in airports where I may have a layover or, or arriving to Korea and it being daytime and I'm used to nighttime and, and trying to find, you know, I may not even have a place to live, but going out for a, a run and just, just trying to fit it in when I can. So I, fortunately, I have some planning to do and, and I'll, I'll be prepared for that, if, but it's going to be a challenge to to try to figure out how to get all that done, but I think it's doable. So you, you almost plan for adversity. I, adver- to nothing the extent goes well. that you can. Yeah, so when it comes to a, a daily routine, um, I found that the least chance I have to deal with adversity is waking up before everybody else in my household. So to get the <laughs> most important workout done of the day uh, before everyone else wakes up. Um, I used to do most of my working out after everybody went to bed and then found that that was less less reliable. I, depending on how I felt, I could be tired um, or less motivated in the evening, so I had to become a morning person. I've never been a morning person, and it took a good several months to get used to waking up in the morning, um, but now uh, it is what it is. I, I, I am become a morning person. Just grab a cup of coffee and hop on the bike and, and on the trainer and, and try to plan my day while I ride. 
but and so yeah it's looking at your day-to-day schedule trying to figure out what what is the best time of the day to minimize having other obligations other things come up and 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 minimizing adversity that way but understand that adversity will come up i take call when i work in the intensive care unit for a week at a time and and I get called in in the middle of the night where I don't get a chance to sleep. And mm-hmm. then I, the next morning, I'm supposed to have a, a key workout. And that's where my coach provides flexibility, saying if that comes up, just the workout, one workout's not going to make or break an entire year's worth of work. Um, you just take it, take a day off, and the next day we'll, we'll, we'll try again. Yeah. And so that becomes a very difficult thing when you are into endurance training and where volume's important <laughs> is that, that day off. What am I supposed to do during a day off? Yeah, it's I'm going to lose all these benefits I've gained. Um, But rest and recovery is very, very important, especially the older you get. Uh, And understanding that these gains are made over months and months and months and years of training, not necessarily an individual workout. So it can be really tough to to have that perspective. And that's where my coach comes in and says, "You're all right. You're just (laughs) fine. You've seen that workout." So it seems like you have this balance of uh, extreme dedication and motivation and almost rigidity and sticking with the plan. But when you absolutely can't do anything about it, giving yourself this grace and not, not, uh, beating yourself up over, over situations that you, you can't change. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely try not to beat myself up, but it's very hard <laughs> when you, you see that blank in your, your, uh, training log. Is there anything you tell yourself or, I really just have to go back to the understanding that you know gains are made over months and months and years and years, not days. Mm-hmm. And 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 missing a workout or two is not the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's hard some days to to believe that, but it's the truth, and yeah, I'll stick to it. <laughs> so switching gears uh, for a second, you're a doctor. Yes. Um, what kind? What does that look like? I'm a pulmonologist, so a lung specialist, and I also work in the, uh, the intensive care unit. Uh, I, when I was a kid, one of my friend's dads was a pulmonary critical care doctor, okay. and, and he let me re- follow him along one day, and it was a very eye-opening experience. And so at that point, I was very interested in science, and, and at that time I ran, I was interested in physiology. I'd actually had an injury where I met an orthopedic surgeon who also let me follow him around. And, and so I said, I think I want to be a doctor. Hmm. And I went to college and studied biology and chemistry and, and did well. And took the MCAT and scored all right and applied to medical school and got into medical school. And this is sort of as my track career, my cross-country career was not going the way I wanted to. And so I just put that energy in, um, into studying and, and saying, you know what, I'm going to try to be the best doctor I can be. And so I went to medical school and, and, and all the effort and time I put into running, I put into studying and learning. And, and it's a, and from the time I graduated college, so in 2000 to the time I graduated my last year of fellowship in 2010, that whole decade, I spent dedicated to becoming a pulmonary critical care doctor. So, uh, and and, and developing a family. I got married during that time, had a child during that time. And so my priorities became being a doctor, being, having a family, and exercise sort of fell off the radar. It became less of a priority. Yeah. It was intermittently a priority, but it wasn't to the degree it is now. And so uh, it it's, can be tough to balance those competing priorities. 
And so, and it's impossible to do all of them, you know, to the top degree. So you have to sort of choose which priority is going to take precedence and, 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 it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be one all the time. So for instance, on a Thursday is usually a day I do more uh, of a longer workout. And so I told work, hey, I'm not coming in until 10 today hmm. and I'll just work a little bit later. And I explained to my wife, hey, I'm going to be a little bit late coming home for work on Thursdays. <laughs> so, and she's like, well, that's fine. As long as Wednesday, you can take care of, you know, the kids to swimming and do all this other stuff. Well, that's fine. So there's some negotiation yeah. in priorities. <laughs> but it, again, the only way it can work out is if my wife and my family and my work say, you know what, we, we see how you enjoy these things. We'll, we'll let you get away with some of these adjustments. Yeah. And uh, I know from talking with you previously that you also do really enjoy uh, interactions you have with your patients. It's not just something that you know gets in the way of training or anything like that, but you actually enjoy getting to sit down with them and, and, and walk them through overcoming some of the, the health conditions and the struggles that they face. Yeah, so I joined the military as a way to pay for medical school. They had something called the Health Profession Scholarship Program. Um, the bottom line is if you... For every year you give to the army, they would pay for a year of your medical school. So four years of medical school, four years of training. Well, there's uh, there's a little bit of uh, small print there, <laughs> where eventually uh, 12 years of the military was the first time that I could potentially get out. Um, the, the benefit of the military is yeah, they paid for my medical school. I didn't have any debt. They gave me some money to live off of during a time where I wasn't making any money and starting a family. Um, but I owed them some time, and, and with the military, there comes some, some obstacles. Well, yeah, they're moving me to Korea for a year away from my family. Well, that's unfortunate, but there are lots and a lot of benefits. Uh, my patients, I, I, I love them. I, I, sh I share a common bond with them. I take care of soldiers. I take care of people who retired from the military, and I take care of their family members. And the thing, we all have one thing in common that we've served uh, or been with a, our I guess I can consider my wife she serves too because guess what? She's married to me and I serve. <laughs> and, and so uh, having that common bond with your patients is, is very special. And, and there are some benefits to the way the military provides health care is I can spend an hour with a patient and I don't need to feel rushed because guess what? I get paid the same whether I spend one hour or 15 minutes with a patient. And so I actually enjoy being able to explain, hey, this is what's going on with you and these are the things that you can do to help yourself uh, and and have them fully understand as opposed to sometimes when you rush through an appointment you don't quite understand what's going yeah. why you're doing what you're doing um, and and it's and that's uh, I get a lot of satisfaction from that uh, I can definitely go out and make a lot more money um, and sometimes I think about that <laughs> I, I want to buy another bike <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, for now uh, the way that the military is supporting uh, you know my training and and I get to support my patients. It's been a pretty symbiotic, you know, wonderful relationship. So I, I, I've enjoyed it. I'll let you know after a year of being away from my family in Korea if I still enjoy it. <laughs> right, we'll talk but, again. Uh, but you know, for now, it's been it, it's been very nice. So, give me a window into um, some of your interactions with your patients. Um, you know, I think one thing we talk about a lot is habits. How do we kick habits? How do we break habits? Um, but I'm sure you see that from time to time with your patients as well. How do you walk 
your patients through building habits that are going to be uh, beneficial for them? And, and how do you help them break down habits that can be destructive? Well, clearly, the, as a lung doctor, the two things that I see the most are smoking and probably being out of shape or deconditioned and having breathing problems related to their level of conditioning. And so exercise. Mm. And it's amazing that that spans about every disease process. Um, and so when it comes to quitting smoking, it's everybody knows that smoking is bad for them. And everybody that smokes usually has the idea that, yeah, I should quit at some point. Um, but there's really no substitute to being Hey, I'm, I'm fed up with smoking. I'm fed up with spending the money on cigarettes. I'm fed up with being addicted to this, this substance, and I, I really want to quit. Um, and, and so those are the patients that are actually going to quit and be successful uh, quitting. Um, people say, yeah, I think I should quit. I'm just going to, I'll quit today. Uh, and not fully dedicated to the cause or the, you know, mm. are the ones who, you know, a week later are smoking again. And that's fine. We know that the more times you try to quit, the more likely you are to eventually be successful. Um, but I, when I talk to my patients, I said, have you ever thought about quitting? And they'll say yes, or maybe they'll say no. <laughs> um, but I said, are you ready to quit today? And, and sort of put them on, on you know, just put them in a position where is it, are they that motivated? And I said, well, if you're not, that's fine. Come back when you are, and we'll talk about it. And and so they, a lot of times they come back and they say, you know what, I am ready to quit today. I said, great. Um, and then I try to develop a plan of how to quit. Uh, there are you know, different cognitive behavioral therapies that can help people be quitting. There's, there's medications that can help people um, you know, quit smoking. But again, it's coming up with an individualized plan to each patient of, you know, and then following them through sort of like a coach. Yeah. So obviously I'm their quitting smoking coach and their health coach. <laughs> uh, and, and that's, fortunately, I'm, I'm blessed with the amount of time as a physician to even do that. Sometimes nurses or other uh, types of medical providers do that. And I'm fortunate to, to have the time to do that with my patients. And, and when I see a patient quit smoking and a year later say, you know what, I, I'm still smoke free. That's a, it's a, that feels really good that you've actually made that impact in their life. Um, sometimes they get pretty grumpy, but, um, and the same thing goes with an exercise program. Um, again, I have patients with severe lung and heart disease who have difficulty, you know, walking across their house and they may be on oxygen therapy for that. And, and again, uh, some pe people say, I can't go out and exercise. You want me to do marathons or triathlons with you? I'm like, no, that's not what I'm a asking to do. I'm trying to keep you active because we definitely know the, the less you do, the harder it is to do things, uh, not only because you have heart and lung disease, but because your muscles are deconditioned. And that's the one thing you can do for yourself. So we have a good pulmonary, cardiopulmonary rehab program in the area that we send patients to, and they get initiated on an exercise program under some observation because of their severe heart and lung disease. And usually after 21 visits, that's what they're allotted, uh, they choose to stay on and continue it like a gym membership. And so that's a very fun thing to and it becomes a big social club. So you'll see one patient and they'll tell me how their other, their friends there that are my other patients are doing. And they'll give you the real story. <laughs> oh yeah. They'll tell me, well, he's still smoking. Oh That's yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so it's, it's, and so that type of social interaction for these patients that sometimes become socially isolated because of their disease process. That's a fun thing to hear about and see. 
when you have patients that successfully accomplish their goal, and in this case, that's you know, getting on an exercise routine or uh, becoming a person who doesn't smoke anymore, mm-hmm. are there any commonalities or big themes or threads uh, that are kind of the underlying causes of why or how uh, they were able to make that behavior change? It, it comes down to how deep is that why. Uh, people who want to quit smoking just because they think it's healthy uh, or people who start exercise just because they you know they know it's a good thing to do they're the ones that don't necessarily stick to it they have to have some type of why I want to quit smoking because I want to be a good example for my grandkids or I want to quit smoking so I can actually play with my grandkids or I want to quit smoking because I've been diagnosed with lung cancer and 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 I know that quitting smoking now is still going to help me live longer and 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 so it's the why it comes down to that full circle yep full circle (laughs) well i think this is actually a good place for us to wrap up okay sam thanks so much for this conversation um i've really enjoyed it and i think uh i think there's a lot here that other people are going to enjoy as well so thanks for hanging out a little bit and you guys didn't know this, but we had we had some beers here. So yes, thanks for enjoying a beer with it's, me. It's and light beer, so it's healthy. That's right. It it uh, it fits in with this training. His coach approves. <laughs> <laughs> He's Australian. He's probably okay with it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. All right. And uh, thank you. for all you guys listening, uh, we'll chat soon. Hey gang, thanks for tuning in. If you got any value out of this at all. Please feel free to share this with friends or family or anyone you think who might be interested in getting a window into this conversation. Also, if you're interested in one-on-one health coaching, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on social at Coach Trevor Woodward, or you can head to my website at ithrivecast.com. Go online, see what we've got going on, and I look forward to seeing you back next time.